Good morning and welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are back with us on this Thursday. Hope everything is going well in your world. A lot of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today. We will talk about your health. And in light of that, why in the world would the government force something related to your health removed from your Apple Watch? We'll talk about that and the reasons for this. Political news, of course. Joe Biden making a visit to North Carolina today. Thank God he's not coming here and screwing up traffic. He's uh, creating the problems in the Raleigh area. We'll tell you about that visit and what is expected. In the meantime, we have fear and loathing on the Democrat side as general panic sets in. What is this panic about? Oh, it's the possibility Donald Trump may get reelected. It's the end of the world. I go back to the campaign. I think it was George W. Bush who said this years ago. We were referring to the Democrat side and said they have nothing to offer but fear itself. That is it. You will hear Kamala Harris and her pure idiocy. And she made an appearance on The View. By the way, I hope I remembered to tell you about something I watched over the weekend. <laughs> it was a spoof of The View. Oh, my goodness. It was spot on. I'll try to remember that after we talk about Kamala Harris's appearance on The View. Nikki Haley. She is eyeing New Hampshire as she attempts to take out Donald Trump in New Hampshire. The irony of this is she had a, has a better chance of winning in New Hampshire than she does in her home state of South Carolina. We'll talk about that coming up. We'll also delve into a little aviation. The administration has succeeded in blocking a merger between JetBlue and Spirit Airlines. And the consequences could be dire for Spirit. It's one of the reasons why I cannot stand so many of the things the federal government does to intervene. We'll tell you how this could be very detrimental to the aviation industry and Spirit in particular. And speaking of airlines, one airline which is promoting all of the DEI garbage well, we have a better understanding of why it's so important to promote some of this trash. Well, the CEO will tell you about one of his favorite things to do when he's not working. That's a preview of some of the things that we will talk about during the course of the broadcast today. I like to begin with something to put a smile on your face. You ever go to those restaurants... I, frankly, I find it kind of annoying. But you know when somebody has a birthday, they come and sing happy, happy, happy birthday, whatever. There are several different songs they sing for that. And it just, just, you know, it can be annoying. But this I actually found to be heartwarming. This story reported about a TikTok video posted by a woman who really wanted to honor the man in her life. Her name is Haley Louvel. And she decided to pull something really clever on a flight that she recently took. She surprised her husband by asking a flight attendant to announce something very important about his health. Sharing a video of her and her husband, Josh, as they were on a flight while filming her and Josh as they were in their seats, she specified how she made the surprise for him happen. The title of this was, When You Sneak a Note to the Flight Attendant to Give This Announcement Without Your Husband Seeing. <laughs> this was really cute. The video then continued to record the message from the flight attendant over the intercom, with the airline employee starting to introduce Josh and going into his story. And it's quite a story. 
I want you to hear this for yourself. By the way, this video, it's gone viral on TikTok. Over 367,000 views. And a lot of people just really encouraged, and some even crying, when they hear this announcement. Here is the announcement made by the flight attendant about her husband, Josh. A young man on the flight today named Josh was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in June of 2020. Since then, he's had chemo, radiation, and surgery to remove his entire right lung, glands, and lining of his heart, and part of his diaphragm. He was on life support twice and was in and out of hospital for years. He's fought, fought for his life and now is cancer-free and on his way to his honeymoon in Jamaica. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine? I mean, what a nightmare experience. Stage four cancer, June of 2020. And I have to imagine this must have felt for him and for her like a death sentence. And here they are going on vacation. And he is cancer free. We celebrate with them and give honor and glory to God. What a wonderful story as we start off our Thursday broadcast. Your call's welcome, 704-570-1110. Coming up, another positive story, believe it or not, this one from a bank CEO. And I'm so encouraged to hear this because it's time. It is time that we start hearing adults challenging some of the hysteria, especially coming out of the Democrat Party. You are on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 1022 on this Thursday. I know some of you are going to be quite surprised by the next item that I share with you. Because you know I'm on record of not being a person who is in support of Donald Trump's candidacy. I do not believe the man should be the nominee for president on the Republican side. I've been adamant about that. At the same time, and this has been a very difficult place for me to be in terms of the position I've taken, because on the one hand, I mean, we're dealing with extremes. We've got people who believe this guy did everything except for hang on the cross for him. Some of them, I kind of wonder whether they think he did that. Then you have people on the other end of the spectrum who believe he is Lucifer himself. And both of those positions are just, those are evidence of, I think, they can be evidence of mental illness. It's just crazy. One person who is a moderating voice in all of this, I was quite, quite surprised to hear what he had to say. I'm referring to J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon. He had a discussion about a number of subjects, most of them political, and he really called out, I think he's calling out Democrats for all of the vilification taking place of Donald Trump. See, and this is another thing I want to make very clear. For me, this is not a matter of, of personal attacks. I've made my position clear that this is about character, this is about the focus on America and the country as opposed to an individual. Those are the concerns that I've expressed. That's not personal. It doesn't mean that I dislike Donald Trump or I think that he is the devil or anything like that. And I can express my views without insulting people. I have expressed that there is a an intellectual vacancy on the part of many people who are supporting supporting Donald Trump. Uh, having said that, there are people who call this program. They get it. Who disagree with me on this subject. And do not feel offended. 
So I want to make this very clear that my concerns that I've expressed have no relation whatsoever to hysteria and stupidity, which is what Jamie Dimon is calling out on the part of those who are vilifying not only the former president, but his supporters. Here are the comments from Jamie Dimon. When they talk about MAGA, when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. And if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when he, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, not, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. And it should. You should be able to run if you are an adult. You should be able to run on your record, period. But instead, and I, and I think people have learned this, fear sells it really does this is one of the reasons why i told you i could not do local television news anymore because much of it is driven by this very thing fear whenever there's an opportunity to scare people there's a killer on the loose rape you know rapes murders molestations and then the big thing they discovered who people love watching when there's bad weather So let's scare them with weather. Let's go on an hour earlier. And the good part of the time, as we know here in the Charlotte area, these weather events don't happen, especially the cold weather events. But the hype was worth it because you got eyeballs to watch. Fear works, ladies and gentlemen. And this is why you will hear more and more of this. You will hear Donald Trump the criminal January 6th this is the drum they're going to beat all the way up until November you can pretty much guarantee that I commend Jamie Dimon for coming out and just basically telling these people grow up because I do think this ultimately also gets old after a while as sick as people may be of Donald Trump and his antics I think There's a danger here of fatigue of listening to this old coot and his antics. After a while, that gets old. And really, the central question comes back to, what have you done for us anyway? And then when you start looking at that and you can't come up with a good answer, how are you going to vote? I can't see this working out very well for Joe Biden, who I still doubt will be on the ballot in November. But time will tell. I'm curious, how many of you have Apple Watches? I've got to tell you, in my life, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate and say that it saved my life. Well, maybe. Who knows? Maybe it has. But my Apple Watch has certainly made a big difference. One of the things that I discovered as a result of the Apple Watch was a condition that I had called atrial flutter. I think I've told you some about this misadventure over the past couple of years where with Flutter, it's a lot like, um, I forgot the other word, um, um, atrial fibrillation. It's a lot like that, except uh, what happens with this is your heart rate, it fluctuates. I've shown several people what happens when I'm experiencing atrial flutter. 
let's say my heart rate is, you know, at around 79, it's normal. And then it'll shoot up to 100. And then 110. Then it drops down to 80 and 82, 85. Then it goes back to 115. Then it goes up to 132, 140, 160. I mean, that's what happens. I discovered that as a result of having an Apple Watch. I didn't know that this was an issue otherwise. I just knew I felt odd and did not understand what was going on. Then when the doctor was able to see this data, it helped in ultimately diagnosing what was going on. So this health feature, there's no question about how helpful this is. This particular feature, Axios reports... Apple watches to go on sale without a blood oxygen feature after a court ruling. This is another feature on Apple watches. Um, One of the things that is an indicator, for instance, of COVID is a drop in the blood oxygen level. That's one indicator that something serious is going on with a person's health. What is this all about? I heard this earlier this morning. I thought, what in the world? Why would they take a court order this taken out? Well, you'll understand why in a bit. The Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 will go on sale in U.S. stores today without their blood oxygen features. This comes after a federal appeals court ruled yesterday that Apple could not import wearables with this feature into the country. While the company appeals the U.S. International Trade Commission's finding the devices infringe patents. Yep. Somebody has already has a patent on this technology. Apple would ask the court to extend a stay, allowing the import of the devices while the company appeals the decision finding the world's largest smartwatch seller had infringed two patents owned by Massimo Corporation and Circacor Laboratories, which the commission said became final on December 26th. So they've made the determination these patents are legit. The Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 without the blood oxygen feature will become available from Apple.com starting 6 a.m. Pacific time. That's today. So that was 9 o'clock this morning, Eastern time. And from Apple stores, starting today as well. Joe Chiani. Massimo's founder and CEO said in a statement to media, Wednesday's court ruling affirms even the largest and most powerful companies must respect the intellectual rights of American investors and must deal with the consequences when they're caught infringing others' patents. Apple said in its statement it strongly disagreed with the decision and resulting orders. So the appeals on this will continue, but so far, this ultimately means Apple cannot sell this product with this particular feature. Ultimately, this will all get sorted out in court one way or the other, and hopefully the appropriate people will be paid for the work that they have done to really provide a tremendous service. I mean, think about this. Otherwise, some of these features would require standalone products that can be costly and more costly for consumers. Or you'd have to go to medical facilities to find out this kind of information when time is really of the essence. So stay tuned on this one. Still to come in the broadcast, we will delve into presidential politics. Joe Biden coming to the state today. Fortunately, somebody else will bring him here. Otherwise, he would probably get lost on the way. We'll tell you what he is bringing with him. And we will talk about the other side of the message from Jamie Dimon 
warning about the fear-mongering. Well, you will hear some of that fear-mongering from the vapid vice president. That much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 10 minutes before 11 o'clock today. President Joe Biden will make an appearance in the state of North Carolina, coming back to the state. And, you know, one of the things that presidents like to do is they come bearing gifts. It's really one of the most disingenuous things when you think about it. Because they're basically coming and giving you your own money. And you're supposed to be excited because they're giving you your own money back. But that's what's going on here. Here's the headline, Biden to tout millions in funding for Internet access on North Carolina trip. How the state will benefit. The Charlotte Observer article on this. The White House says this will benefit 16,000 households and businesses and bring hundreds of jobs to the state. The president traveling to the Raleigh area to announce $82 million in new investment from the American Rescue Plan. That will expand reliable, affordable, high-speed internet to another 20,000 North Carolinians. Wow. One in three North Carolinians lives in a rural area, and so there's quite a divide that exists between communities across the state in terms of access to the internet. The pandemic relief law, known as the American Rescue Plan, which Biden championed, passed Congress in 2021. Dalton said the money being announced will pay for fiber optic cable, said work is already underway to lay the fibers, so the effects should be felt quickly. Isn't that wonderful? Early in his term, Biden put into motion steps to close the digital divide that included a $100 billion plan to bring the Internet into rural communities without access and provide affordable Internet to people with low incomes. When he entered office in the throes of the pandemic, it was very clear to everyone across the country the Internet was no longer a luxury. That's what Olivia Dalton, the press secretary, said. It was a requirement for daily life, whether you're a student, an employer, or just someone who needs to stay in touch with health care providers or other services. Biden announced he'll visit the Raleigh-Durham area to tout the role Bidenomics has played in creating jobs and supporting small businesses. Rural communities deal with slow internet. Isn't it terrible? 20,000. I mean, it's great. It's great. Tens of thousands of people with better internet. This is something really tremendous to campaign on. <laughs> I know how important high-speed internet is. It's really, really important. I go back to the days of the very beginning. In fact, as I was cleaning my home, in fact, I think I took pictures of some disc i mean this gives you an idea of how i have to admit i do collect stuff sometimes not for collector purposes but just from not throwing things away i must have had four or five aol discs from way back in the dark ages aol discs <laughs> i mean this is back in the days where i think i was probably using dial-up and now I don't settle for anything less than fiber. I mean, it's absolutely essential for me. But the Internet certainly changed quite a bit since those primitive days, for sure. Earlier in the broadcast, you heard Jamie Dimon calling out those who want to vilify Donald Trump and his supporters. The... Uh, Hins, and I think I will say more about this later on, on The View, were basically, um, I mean, just fawning all over this woman. I mean, this woman is an absolute airhead. It, it, it's just, an, she's an embarrassment. Anyway, Kamala Harris made an appearance on The View yesterday 
And the theme, the message communicated, the fear of the possibility Donald Trump gets back into office. Here is that discussion, I think, kicked off by none other than Joy Behar. Listen up. Now, are, are you scared, first of all, what could happen if Trump ever became, God forbid, president again? And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? I am scared as heck, <laughs> yeah. which is why I'm traveling our country. You know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run for office, either without an opponent or scared. So on all of those points, yes, we should all be scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as we know, and certainly this is a, a table of very powerful women, we don't run away from something when we're scared. We fight back against it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So many of us know when we are scared for the future of our children, do we then stay in bed with the covers over our head? Nope. No. We can't. We can't. <laughs> cannot. We cannot. Yeah. And this is where this election requires, rightly, that President Biden and I and, and all of us who are part of this administration, we got to earn re-election. There is no question. We got to be on the road. Listen, since the, in the last two weeks, I've been to Georgia, I've been to Nevada, I've been to North Carolina, I've been to South Carolina twice in the first two weeks of this year. I will be out on the road. We have to earn the re-elect and we have to communicate what we have achieved. Yes. And, and that is going to be one of our big challenges. We've done a lot of good work. We need to net, let people know who brought it to them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we got to do that. <laughs> you know, Bernie was chiming in and saying, what does that even mean? You know, it, it, it's an appropriate question. Scared as heck. Why? What do you think it means, Bernie? What does it mean? <laughs> you figure it out. You can tell me. I, I do have to tell you something really funny before we go to break. I was watching the other night. I was watching. Uh, some mad TV shows on YouTube with a good friend of mine. And I had made the joke with him before that the view is kind of like a bunch of old hens. They did a skit on mad TV of the women on the view talking and a guy comes around and he takes eggs out from under these, <laughs> these women. It is absolutely hilarious. I thought I was going to die laughing. There's one woman, and I won't say who, who did not have an egg under her, so he grabbed her, and he took an axe with him. I think you get the idea. <laughs> hey, it's not putting out eggs. Anyway. <laughs> Hour number two of the program is straight ahead. Stay with us. Welcome to our number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. I want to start really in an unusual place and share something from my son, who I think is very, very insightful. Before we talk about more political news, I think I'm going to have him on this broadcast sometime. You know, one of the things that I find so exciting as I watch my son's social media posts, he really has a good handle and understanding of things. He's a guy in his mid-20s. And I can honestly tell you the views that he has, and, and I am a person who very much believes that parents should do everything possible to help to help your children think but I think I can safely say this is a young man who's reached these conclusions on his own that's what excites me is to see him at a place of discovery and especially at his age to draw the conclusions that he has they are very encouraging so Ryan has posted this on his social media page 
This massive elite push to fight misinformation via censorship will be the inevitable death of every individual's fundamental freedoms. They need us to think too little of one another, to deem it worth debating the issues we hold most dear. They need us to lower the bar of what's considered extreme so that certain trigger words prompt us to discard everything our neighbor says. Wow. If we abandon the free marketplace of ideas, we're inevitably propping up a ministry of truth and empowering a ruling class. We fight bad ideas with good ideas. We see the humanity in our adversaries, acknowledging the fallibility of the human condition. They want us to think of one another as stupid, flawed, and undeserving of breath to speak. We can choose better. Isn't this brilliant? And I'm not just saying this because he's my son. I'm saying this because it is brilliantly insightful. I am very proud of him for recognizing these threats and it's been so cool having conversations with him about the world that we are in now because he clearly has an advantage over so many of the young people in his age group whose minds are just clearly not uh, working on all cylinders I'm just gonna put it that way <laughs> Um, people who are just profoundly propagandized. And I'm encouraged that he is thinking soberly. And I hope and pray that there'll be many others like him from this generation who will catch on and catch on before it's too late. That's my hope and prayer. Presidential politics. As you know, the big contest coming up next is New Hampshire. This appears to be a contest between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. I think I saw this morning that the DeSantis campaign is pretty much pulling people out of New Hampshire because this is not a winnable contest at all in New Hampshire and putting all of their resources into South Carolina. This is where it'll be very important for them to finish strong. Now, if he could finish second in South Carolina, that would be significant. That's that's a pretty tough road to try to pull off that kind of victory. Not That's not even a victory. Any case... White House hopeful Nikki Haley eyes New Hampshire in bid to beat Trump. Nikki Haley wooed voters in New Hampshire as the Republican presidential nomination contest moves the eastern U.S. state, seen as make or break for her bid to reel in runaway frontrunner Donald Trump. Once considered an outside bet, the former U.N. ambassador, the only woman in the race, has emerged as the main threat to Trump's dreams of White House return. Her polling numbers, donations, and endorsements have surged in recent weeks. But her long-nurtured hope of a one-on-one -on -one battle with the ex-president dealt a blow when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis beat her to the runner-up spot in Iowa's opening nominating contest Monday. The disappointment ratcheted up the pressure on Haley to put DeSantis in the rearview mirror in New Hampshire. While keeping alive her challenge to Trump as the race moves to her home state of South Carolina. Before I go on, I'm very curious to hear from people in South Carolina. How many of you will be voting for her? Are you a Nikki Haley supporter? Or will you vote for somebody else? I'm very curious. One Haley backer and former Maryland governor, Larry Hogan, said if Haley had a good showing, has a good showing in New Hampshire. It's going to shift the momentum, energy, and excitement behind her campaign going into South Carolina. No candidate has ever lost the race after claiming the first two states. And Trump 
who crushed DeSantis in Haley in Iowa, would almost certainly declare the Republican nomination over with a win in New Hampshire. I can just imagine him now making that declaration. That has made the Granite State the whole ball game for Haley, with fundraisers reportedly threatening to jump ship if she falls short of a win or very close second to Trump. She's got to have a strong showing there. Speaking Wednesday in the small town of Rochester, Haley told supporters she voted for Trump twice herself, but that we can't have a country in disarray, a world on fire, and go to four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't defeat democratic chaos with Republican chaos, she said, hitting out at both Trump and President Joe Biden in one fell swoop. Trump's race appears to get easier in February as more conservative southern states begin to weigh in ahead of the Super Tuesday stampede of results from 16 states and territories. That's coming up on March 5th. But he has to get through New Hampshire first, where support has ebbed as Haley is up to her favorability by spending more time on the ground. One of the factors that makes a state tougher terrain for the real estate tycoon is the large proportion of independents who vote in primaries and typically break for more moderate candidates. Haley has pegged back Trump's average polling lead from 35 points in the fall to just 14, and she's pretty much dismissed DeSantis, who's running a distant third in New Hampshire, to cast the Republican primary as a two-horse race. So it will be very interesting to see this two-horse race in just a few days. We continue the broadcast here, and again, I want to hear from you if you live in South Carolina. Who are you voting for when the horse race comes to the Palmetto State? Who do you support? 704-570-1110 is our number. So before the break, I asked the question of those of you south of the border, who are you supporting? Are you a Nikki Haley supporter? You want the hometown girl to win? I believe we're going to try first Dave out of Rock Hill. Dave, what are your thoughts this morning? Hey, Vince. Uh, I'm edging more towards DeSantis, but if I may, just give you a brief history of my how I, my thought process. You know, since Bush... I feel like the media has always picked our our candidate, you know, and I I, I always prefer governors, um, but always I held my nose for Bush, um, or for not Bush for uh, McCain and, and and Romney, and uh, but coming into 2016, I honestly thought, knowing uh, Trump's history with the Clintons and friendship, that they were looking for the uh, Ross Perot effect, and he was a plan. So I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I, uh, I think I voted for the Constitution Party candidate, Daryl Castle, but, you know, gave, gave Trump a chance. I was like, hey, if you can address the economy, uh, the, the border wall, and the debt, you know, I'll vote for you the next time. Obviously, the debt was never addressed, but uh, considering his, all the, the, the fecal storm of Russiagate uh, <laughs> for, for him in, in uh, 2020. So moving forward here. Yes, I've always preferred a governor. Nikki Haley, certainly that. DeSantis, I just, I just really like DeSantis and his uh, his uh, way he handled COVID. And uh, I know he hasn't been the best uh, on the stage in the debates and all that. But leaning more towards him. But ultimately, if Trump is the uh, uh, candidate. I uh, still reserve the right, maybe, to go Constitution Party again, but I'll. I may that may be a game time decision. So, hope that answers your question. It certainly does, and uh, I love hearing about the process there, Dave. Very, very much appreciate your call. Uh, we still have Cliff as well. Cliff out of the sprawling metropolis of Lake Wiley. Good morning, Cliff. What are your thoughts? Good morning, Vince. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, as I was telling your. Um your, your call person there, I travel from Lake Wally down to Spartanburg and Greenville quite a bit for work and see out everybody. There's only 
there's only two there's only two um two signs out there. None of them are Nikki Haley's. There's two signs. There's Trump and signs that say FJB. That's all you see in <laughs> in Northwest um, South Carolina. So I mean I don't know if Nikki's going to do well down around Charleston. Maybe she will, but up here she's not going to do well at all. So uh, where do you stand? Oh, I'm going to be voting for Trump. There's not two ways about that. You are solidly for for Trump. Why do you want to see Trump? Uh, well, I want to ask as well. What were your impressions of Nikki Haley when she was governor? Yeah, I, I he did a pretty good job as governor. Um, doesn't mean she's going to do a good job at running the state. I mean, running the country, running a state is you know, kind of like running a local grocery store compared to running to Walmart. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting comparison. All right. Well, thank you very much for your insights. Cliff out of Lake Wiley. Also in Lake Wiley, do we still have Peggy on the line wanting to weigh in on the contest in South Carolina? Good morning, Peggy, and welcome. Good morning. Uh, I'm a DeSantis uh, voter, too. Ah. What do you like about Ron DeSantis? I like that he's uh, conservative. Um, I like the way he's run Florida. I think he would be a Trump, but uh, with a little more class. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, tell me how concerned you are about his campaign. I'm sure you're glad that he came um, in second place out in Iowa. Does it concern you at all that you know it looks like he's going to be third? in new hampshire are, are you concerned at all that that he's going to have a difficult time getting traction here in these next couple of contests i have no idea but i hope not i just uh hope he makes it to south carolina so we can vote but um i just uh like the way he stands up to disney and i did not like the way that um nikki haley offered to uh let him come to south carolina and i'm like that just shows you right there she's not a conservative Okay. I think a lot of people have the same concern that this woman is uh, really not a solid conservative by any means. Uh, Peggy, thank you very much for your call. And if we still have as well TJ out of Lancaster. Good morning, TJ. Welcome. Good morning, Vince. How are you? All right, sir. I just wanted to call in and give you my input. Um, I'm actually not out of Lancaster. I live on Lake Watery. I'm rowing through Lancaster for work this morning. Ah. I'm one of those ones that made an exodus from Mecklenburg County back when Norman Mitchell suggested that we should. And so I took him up on that, and I left. <laughs> um, okay. And, you know, right now I am definitely not for Nikki Haley. She was not a good governor for our state. You know, in a knee-jerk epiphany in the middle of the night, she decided to destroy our state's heritage and did more division than she should have. She did not act like a leader. She taxed us for pennies for progress on roads. Our roads, it costs us more for the worst roads in the nation right now. We never got our money's worth out of her. She has used the state as a stepping stone and other political platforms. She was broke when she left this state, and now she's loaded. And she cannot be trusted. She's flip-flopped on every issue there is, from transgenderism and, and children to immigration and every, all of every policy she's ever discussed, she's flipped on it. Um, as far as who I would vote for, I do like Ron DeSantis. I don't think he's going to do well in, up north, and I don't believe he'll make it to South Carolina. I would consider giving him my vote. I really do like how he is supporting the state of Texas right now. I encourage my governor, McMaster, to do the same thing. And I have a call into him this morning to stand for America and help stand with Texas. But most likely, Vince, my vote is going to go to Trump. Like Dave, I did not vote for Trump in 2016 because the Lord told me endorsing the lesser of two evils is still endorsing evil. But at this time, we got to take a stand. We don't have any perfect political candidates. I think he's the one, he's the only one we have a shot to take our country back with right now. 
All right. Well, very much appreciate your call. Uh, it sounds like a, a wealth of experience, and uh, all of those things have informed the perspective you have. Bottom line, I didn't hear a single person in there who had positive things to say about Nikki Haley. See, I think this is always a bad sign. When you aren't strong in your own state, it's really it's really not a good sign not a good sign at all well still to come in the broadcast we will talk a little aviation a failed airline bid what does it mean for spirit airlines and what do you think about what the government has done in this situation and all the dei stuff well we have a ceo who is a big believer in DEI, and one of the reasons could be his own personal life. We will tell you about one CEO and what he likes to do when he's not working. The pictures are quite disturbing. At least I find them disturbing. That much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast. <music> Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 24 minutes for the noon hour. You know, I'm very much a person who believes in the free enterprise system. And what that means is I, for the most part, I think the federal government ought to stay out of business. You know, not interfere with what's going on in the business process. So, if, for instance, uh, somebody wants to come along and buy my business, in most cases, I don't think it's the federal government's business. I don't think the federal government ought to be getting involved in determining who the winners and the losers are and how to regulate commerce in a way that's going to uh, impact the natural processes of supply and demand and competition. Let me tell you what's happening now. And by the way, I have to tell you, I have a friend who works for Spirit Airlines. Let me rephrase that. An acquaintance who works for Spirit Airlines. You ever met a person who takes everything personally? I had a conversation with this person. It's been well over a year ago. And I made the comment, you know, they were basically saying, you know, Spirit was going to end up merging with Frontier and that uh, they were going to leave JetBlue out in the cold. JetBlue was going to be desperate and yada, yada, yada. This, you know, and I sent this story about the likelihood JetBlue was going to be the winning party in this bidding process, which they ultimately were. And this person got upset with me. They were like, you know, I, I know what's going on with my company. And it turns out that this person was wrong. <laughs> Here's what's going on. A U.S. District Court judge has blocked JetBlue's proposed $3.8 billion acquisition of Spirit on antitrust grounds. Spirit could be forced to restructure, drop its fares, or even liquidate, according to industry watchers. Spirit, whose last profitable year was 2019, had challenges even before the ruling, including grounded planes, softening demand, and rising costs. They are on shaky footing now. Now that a judge has blocked this deal. See, I, I just, I don't think this is appropriate at all. They've basically given Spirit Airlines a death sentence. I'm not, a, I'm not here to advocate for Spirit. I'm not here to speak against Spirit. But I don't think the federal government has anything to do with this thing. Industry watchers say the carrier could be forced to cut its already low fares even more. Some Wall Street analysts argue the discount carrier could have to restructure, if not liquidate. Spirit shares fell 47% after the decision was issued. 47%. Then they lost another 22% yesterday. Now they're at a record low of $5.74 a share. 
This is sad. The carrier could look for another buyer, but a more likely scenario is a Chapter 11 filing, followed by a liquidation. We recognize this sounds alarmist and harsh, but the reality is we believe there are limited scenarios that enable Spirit to restructure. A potential bankruptcy could force the airline, known for its low fares and fees for everything else like seat selection and cabin baggage, to slash fares even more. I mean, their their justification for this is, well, this would limit competition if we put Spirit and JetBlue together. Well, guess what? How about getting rid of another piece of competition if Spirit disappears altogether? See, I, I, I just, this is frustrating to me. Profoundly frustrating to me. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's appropriate the federal government interfere in this kind of deal? Let JetBlue do its thing. I have the same perspective about American and their deal with, I forgot what, they were working with another airline. Basically, it wasn't a merger, but it was a, a cooperative deal they were doing in the Northeast. None of the freaking federal government's business. Why don't you go secure our border rather than interfering with private business? But this is what, see, the government likes to do what it's not supposed to do. And they don't like to do what they're supposed to do. They like to not mind their business. They want to get all up in your business. You tell me if I'm wrong on this one. I'm going to spend more time on this after the break. You know we are not supporters here of DEI garbage. And I call it garbage because it is garbage especially as it relates to all of the silliness that's become associated with sexuality and gender identity and pronouns and all of that nonsense. Well, one airline that's big into promoting this, there's a special reason United and its CEO have been promoting this. Wait until you hear more about its CEO and what he likes to do in his private time. Let me just, for my... I, just so you understand, I, again, remind you, I, Vince Coakley, am libertarian-minded. I don't give a rat's ass what you do in your private life. I really don't. I don't. But don't come telling me what I'm supposed to call you, and don't tell me that I have to celebrate what you're doing in your private life. See, it's a double-edged sword. It's none of my business, but don't make it my business. Because if you do try to make it my business, you know, we're going to have a conversation about your weird behavior. We're going to talk about one CEO as we continue the broadcast. <laughs> All right, final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Thursday. Breitbart has an interesting story. Uh, and shout out to the fine folks, the libs of TikTok, who have done it again. This report, United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby has history of dressing in drag as Keisha and Taylor Swift. United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby allegedly has a pension for dressing in drag as famous female singers. This is according to resurfaced pictures. On Monday, the conservative ex-account Libs of TikTok posted pictures of Kirby appearing to don a long purple and blonde wig, black eye makeup, a stuffed bra, chaps, and a lot of leather, as well as a blonde wig, white dress, and purple feather boa. The resurfaced pictures of Kirby in drag appear to be from his time as president of American Airlines. A 2019 report from the Dallas Morning News details how Kirby dressed in drag as pop singer Keisha for the first Halloween after American Airlines merged with U.S. Airways. The next year, in 2015, Kirby went to the company Halloween party in drag again, this time as singer Taylor Swift. The Fort Worth Star-Telegram YouTube channel has videos of Kirby dancing around in drag as Keisha and Swift. Kirby also once reportedly dressed in drag as singer Lady Gaga, according to the Star-Telegram, which linked to a grainy video of someone allegedly Kirby dancing around in drag. 
He went on to become president of United Airlines in 2016, promoted to CEO in 2020. American, not American, United Airlines has long championed the LGBTQIA plus agenda. 1999, the airline became the first in the U.S. to offer benefits to same-gender domestic partners. Under Kirby's leadership, the company has continued down that path path aggressively promoting its diversity equity and inclusion committee headed by a man who believes he is a woman further aligning with the far left Kirby responsible for pushing arguably the most draconian coronavirus vaccine mandate in the airline industry employees who received religious or medical exemptions were given the reasonable accommodation of being placed on unpaid leave indefinitely with no medical benefits and effective firing that mandate, the subject of an ongoing lawsuit, several employees sued the airline alleging the company violated Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Americans with Disabilities Act by discriminating against them based on their religious and medical exemptions. In addition to the loss of their income for several months before a federal court order got them back on the job while the lawsuit is ongoing, those employees, many of whom are self-professing Christians who objected to the vaccine, because it was developed using aborted fetal tissue, reported experiencing mental anguish, financial and emotional distress. Plaintiffs in the lawsuit alleged they were dealing with highly adverse outcomes because of the reasonable accommodation, like risking homelessness and foregoing a spouse's cancer treatment. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit ultimately held the mandate inflicted irreparable harm and remanded the case to the district court. Plaintiffs filed last week to request the lawsuit be turned into a class action lawsuit to represent all United employees hurt by the airline's reasonable accommodations. And I sure hope those employees win that lawsuit. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Scott Kirby likes to dress in drag. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The cases that the hills that people like to die on, the causes that people go to the wall for, but at the end of the day, not religious employees. You want to dress up like a woman? We will do everything to protect you. You simply want to make a decision on whether to take a vaccine or not? Not so much. So, we wish the folks in this class action lawsuit would hopefully, which hopefully will be won, we hope they win. And we see who Scott Kirby is. Part of the radical left, a member of the Alphabet Mafia. Let's take a look at the day in history. How are you doing today, Bernie? I'm great. How are you, Vince? Doing pretty good here. We have a total of seven items beginning in 1777 captain cook discovers these islands he called them sandwich islands now we call them one of our last two states hawaii hawaiian islands All right. absolutely how would you like a nice hawaiian punch just kidding <laughs> stupid commercial <laughs> 1943, <laughs> uh, sales of pre-sliced bread were banned to save metal for the war effort. Can you oh, believe wow. that? No, I cannot. 1975, this guy earned his first number one song for Mandy, a song about a dog. Is this and Barry thought, Manilow? And you thought it was about a woman, didn't you? Oh, I sure did. It was about a dog. Well, that's a good man right there. Yeah, Barry Manilow. Dogs are the best. They are. 1990. They are the most popular restaurant in the world, and the first of its type opened in Moscow in this day in 1990. What was it? Is this McDonald's? McDonald's. All right. 1990. This was the stuff of all kinds of late night and late night uh, humor. This mayor. D.C. mayor arrested for smoking crack, and he was quoted as saying, the bee set me up. Is this Marion Barry? Yes, Marion oh, Barry. Barry. Bless his heart. 1991, 
This country started firing Scud missiles at Israel in 1991. This is when we got involved with this country and they were trying to pull Israel into it. Is this Iraq? Iraq indeed. And 1996, owners of Major League Baseball approved interleague play oh. with the idea of making the game a little more interesting. So whether they've succeeded in that, who knows? Who knows? Before we go... A story that's kind of, uh, let's say, offbeat from my former home state. Get a load of this. A Kentucky city has come up with an out-of-this-world campaign to promote tourism. The Lexington Convention and Visitors Bureau used an infrared laser to beam a message into space to invite extraterrestrial travelers. Yes, Lexington, Kentucky. They're trying to send a message to make sure that people, you know, outside of this planet might, just in case they're interested in coming to visit. And they just might fit into central Kentucky. Just saying! I used to live there, I can say that. That's all the time we have for the broadcast. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios.